and welcome to Shining on the Spectrum. I'm your host, Quiana, and my daughter Ava was diagnosed with autism at two. Over the last six years, my mission has been to ensure she gets the love and support she needs so she can shine on the spectrum. Each episode, I'll be sharing insight into our six-year journey, and hopefully our experience will help you ensure your child shines as well. Now let's get started. Hey there, and welcome to Shining on the Spectrum. I am very excited to talk about IEP meetings because as a former elementary school teacher and a current mom who's homeschooling and transitioning her child to the public school system and recently went through the IEP process for the first time, or technically it's the second time, I'll explain. I think this is such an important part of ensuring that your child gets the support they need to be successful in school. So let's talk all about it. Um, Just to give you a tad bit of background, I was an elementary school teacher for six and a half years. I taught kindergarten, third, and fourth grade. I was a co-lab teacher where all the kids in my grade level, when I taught third grade, were in my classroom because I co-taught with a special ed teacher. And so I have the IEP experience from a professional side, you know, recommending kids for IEP process, for IEPs, sitting through IEP meetings, that whole thing. But having it for your own child is a totally different experience. And we first went through the IEP process, which is a little bit different for pre-K because I wanted to see what accommodations may be or, you know, what type of support may be, uh, may have been available for her when she started pre-K. Um, but I decided not to go with that, with uh, public school and just chose to homeschool her. And I've been home, homeschooling her up until now. She's My daughter Ava is eight years old. She technically should be in second grade, but I have her at a first grade level because that's where she is academically. Um, and when she goes into school, she'll be going into a first grade classroom. So it just makes the most sense. But that's a little bit of background. And we she's literally supposed to start school the week of January 19th. Um, and I don't know when you'll be listening to this. January 19th, 2022, um, which is literally next week. But COVID numbers have been going crazy. And so I may be waiting until numbers sat down a little bit and then putting her in school. So we shall see. But um, six points that I've come up with that I think will be really valuable for you, for any parent um, who is going through the IEP process. So whether you are currently going through the IEP process for your child and you're trying to get them an IEP, whether you've never even heard of IEP, you don't know anything about it, whether your child may be starting school soon and you're considering how they're going to get the support they need and preparing mentally for that the whole process of, of getting an IEP, or whether you are totally used to IEPs, but you just would like to hear insight from another parent about how they were able to have a successful process, hear me out. So here are the six points. Number one, read the IEP front to back, back to front every word, every detail, fully. Have goals for your own child. You may not be a teacher or a special education teacher or a special education coordinator, but you do know your child. You do know areas where they need to improve. You do know areas where you want to see them get better. So have your own internal goal, like goals in mind for your child so that when you go sit down at the table for the IEP meeting, you're not just signing away whatever the teacher says. You're you know, it's a collaborative effort because the IEP should be a collaborative, working, like living, breathing document. Um, and you should be part of creating that document. Number three, do your research. And, and this is research in terms of understanding 
what an IEP is, the type of goals and the types of accommodations that you may see, all those things. Number four, ask questions. If you don't understand something, don't just sit there and sign the document and say, okay, this is cool. This is a legal document that is going to stick with your child, at least for that whole school year. So make sure, or at least for a year. So make sure that you understand what's going on. Don't just sit there and sign it and say, okay, when in the back of your mind, you don't even really know what you just signed. Number five, make recommendations. If you have recommendations for your child in terms of goals or accommodations or whatever it might be, don't think that you can't have a voice and say, I want this for my child. I want that. What do you think about changing this goal? Because I think it will be more of a challenge for them and I want to challenge them and help them to be more successful. Those types of things. Definitely make recommendations. And number six, monitor it. This is not a set it and forget it situation. This is not a sign it and forget about it situation. You want to make sure that the school is honoring this legal document and you want to make sure that your child is making progress toward achieving that goal. And the best way you can do that is to monitor their progress, ask questions, see how things are going, see how the accommodations are working. Um, and I will definitely talk about that more. So now let's get into the good stuff. I'm super excited to talk about this. Number one, the first point was to read it front to back. The IEP is a legal document. When you sign that IEP, you are agreeing to the goals for your child and you are agreeing to the accommodations for them. So make sure that you are actually agreeing to it before you sign it. Make sure that you read every single word. I'm going to share a little bit of a personal experience as I went through this recent IEP process. Um, for speech specifically, my daughter currently has an ISP, which is an individual service plan through the school um, where she's able to get like 18 hours per year of speech therapy and then some consultative services with a special education teacher. I think like 30 minutes a month or something like that. So um, she's been working with a speech therapist at her home school virtually. And one of the goals that was in her IEP was for her to answer what questions with 85% accuracy. But current, and this is a year-long IEP, she currently is answering what questions with 80% accuracy. So I said to myself, does it make sense to focus for an entire year on improving that accuracy by 5%? Why don't we bring in a different type of question to the goal? <laughs> you know, and if I had not read that IEP and seen what was listed, that would have been her goal to spend an entire year working to improve her ability to answer questions by 5%. I didn't see how that made any sense. So that goal was scrapped and we added in something that made more sense and that was a little bit more challenging for her to push her um, to be successful. Um, another thing that I noticed in her IEP, which is one that I was really going to focus on anyway, and I was really more nervous about was her accommodations. She was given very generic accommodations um, in her IEP. It was like, we'll get extra support with answering questions. We'll get um, breaks throughout the day. We'll get something else. And I said, whoa, we can't be any more specific than that based on all the information that I can provide you as the person who has been her teacher, based on information from, you know, she has a, 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 um, a private uh, speech therapist she sees at the children's hospital based on experience where she gets ABA therapy. She gets ABA therapy 20 hours per week. We can't add any of those accommodations to her plan. And at first they were hesitant. And they said, well, we need to meet her first. We need to see her first. We need to have her in the building first before we can decide what accommodation she needs. And I said, no, sir, no, ma'am. That does not make sense. <laughs> I've been working with her her whole life. 
we have data, data, data from speech and from ABA. We're going to add more specific accommodations because I'm not just going to throw her into the school with these super generic accommodations. So if I had not read the IEP, I would not have known that certain things needed to be changed. And those are not the only changes they were made. There were several other goals that were adjusted and tweaked and removed because understand that when you sit down at that table, whether it's virtually, ours was a virtual meeting, or whether you are in person, the IEP is not set in stone. That IEP is, like I mentioned earlier, a living, breathing document, meaning it can be changed at any time. And also when you sit down, it is a draft. It is not the final copy. Um, I believe that an IEP is best. And actually, I literally just thought of one more thing. Um, Another point that I'm going to add at the very end, let's say this is a bonus. Um, Which is going to be bring support. So we'll talk about that at the end. That's going to be a bonus number seven. Um, Oh, I lost my train of thought. Hmm. What was I saying? Okay. I can't remember, but hopefully it'll come back to me. If you don't read it front to back, you might miss things that are important that should be changed or adjusted or tweaked or added or whatever it might be. So definitely read it front to back. Number two, ask questions, please. I don't know how many IEP meetings I've sat in with parents who did not ask one question. And I know they did not understand everything that was happening because it can be overwhelming. Like I said, I have a background, six and a half years in the classroom. I asked, I sent over a list before the meeting of at least 20 questions. I just wanted clarification about this and that and the third, this and that and the third, about this however many page document that they sent over to me. Before I sign it, I need to know everything to make sure that it all makes sense because this is the program that is going to guide my daughter's education because she has special needs. So if I don't understand it, and if I'm afraid to ask questions, how am I able to advocate for her? If I don't know what they're doing, you have to definitely be willing and unafraid to ask questions. I don't care how many people are at the table, how many people are at the meeting, ask questions because that's the only way that you can advocate for your child. If you do not understand something, do not be afraid to ask questions. Do not be afraid to speak up because your child can't speak up and advocate for a better IEP for them. That is your job. It is, you have the support of the teacher and the special education people and all these people, but it is your job to make sure that your child gets the IEP that they need. So ask questions. Number three is to have goals for your child. You should have, you know, you live with your child, right? You live with them. uh, You see them every day. In most cases, I know there's some situations where kids are in facilities or you know, whatever it might be. But in general, you see your child every day, you know them best. You may not have that academic background. You may not have all this IEP knowledge. You may not be a certified therapist, but you know your child. So you should know areas where they need to, you know, where they need to improve. You know areas where they need, uh, where you want them to work on, that you want them to work on. So at the end of the day, make sure that you have goals for your child. Another personal story that I'm going to share, and this is, again, specifically for speech, because some of those goals were honestly laughable. 
which I thought was interesting because she'd already been working with her. But somehow when we switched the IP, it was like the goals no longer made sense. It was like it was for another child or something. One of her goals was to speak in three word sentences. Mind you, my daughter is speaking in seven and eight word sentences. For her private speech therapist who she sees at the children's hospital, we've taken a number away. It used to be we wanted her to speak in three word, five word, seven word sentences and building up like that. She's now at a point where it doesn't make sense to give her a certain word count. Instead, it's just to improve. Add adjectives, add pronouns. We're working on all these different parts to build up her speech in general and to extend the length in general. I don't want her to work on a goal to speak in three word sentences when she's already doing that, you know? Um, for ABA, same thing. There's no number attached to her speech goal. Um, and so that was one thing that I had to make a recommendation that we take that off and we just work instead on adding different things to her speech, like adjectives or pronouns, like I mentioned earlier. Um, so yes, that's having goals for your child. Uh, another thing that I, I definitely wanted to add in there were speak or uh, social skills goals, taking turns, initiating conversations, those types of things were goals that were added because it was something that I felt was important. And I voiced those um, concerns or I voiced those recommendations or thoughts. Um, and so they were then added to her IEP, thankfully. Number three is do your own research. When I sat down, um, when I got the draft copy of her IEP and I saw that she had very generic, accommodations. I said, well, what type of accommodations do kids even get who are on the autism spectrum? And I saw a list of tons of amazing accommodations. And I said, well, why aren't any of these added to her IEP based on all the information that I provided to them um, based on her, her ABA experience, based on her speech therapy experience, and based on my experience homeschooling her? Um, and so we went from three very generic goals, like We'll help with, we'll provide extra support with directions. We'll get breaks during the day to very specific um, accommodations like gets preferential treating. So you're uh, seating. So you're sitting near the teacher. It's able to carry a sensory, a sensory box wherever she goes throughout the school. Um, gets physical breaks. And it was just various things. It's able to sit in an area that, uh, is low um, distraction, a low distraction area in the classroom. All of these things we were able to add to her IEP that now I can say, if I see that this is not happening, you are not following this legal document and I have better recourse um, to make something happen as opposed to if the IEP only said, we'll uh, get breaks during the day. What does that mean? What are these breaks? <laughs> you know, because to them, their break may be putting her head down on a desk. And no, because my idea of a break is a movement break. My idea of a break is a sensory break. My idea of a break is X, Y, Z. So definitely, what was that one? Uh, do research to see what is out there. Speak to other parents who have kids um, with an IEP and see the type of support they get. So do your research, see what's out there. And um, this leads to my next one, which is make recommendations. My next, uh, re uh, my next recommendation to you, if you're going through the IEP process, is to make recommendations to the IEP team. Um, as I'm sure I've already shared, just going through this so far, I made various recommendations um, to ensure that my daughter got the best IEP possible, 
whether it was related to her accommodations or whether it was related to her specific goals, I made recommendations and was unafraid to, you know, speak up. And so do your research, read the IEP, know your child, speak to other parents of kids who have special needs and make recommendations based on all of the, all of the information that you have to ensure that they get the best IEP possible from the beginning. Um, I know that what, and I'm going to tell another personal story. So if you hear something like this, just know that that doesn't have to be the case. When I first called up to the school, um, just expressing that I was interested in having my daughter get an IEP, I was told by the special education coordinator that it was impossible for her to get an IEP in advance. She would have to come to school and stay at school for up to nine weeks so they could learn her before an IEP was placed in process, uh, place was in place. So essentially, I would have placed my daughter <laughs> into a general education classroom for nine weeks with no accommodations and no support. This is what the special ed- education coordinator told me before I would be able to do anything. And then we would start the IEP process. That did not work for me. So what did I do? Because it didn't make sense to me. I went to the person who was in charge of special education for the county who was in charge of my school. And I was told that is incorrect. I then went back to the school and told them what I know, what I then knew. And then we had to start the process um, because someone else had gotten involved and told me the correct information and the whole thing. So what was my point of saying all of that? I don't remember. <laughs> I feel like, did I just go off on a tangent or what just happened? I need to take notes as I'm writing because my brain definitely will go there. Um, and I don't really remember the whole purpose of making that statement. I don't know what I was saying beforehand, but I was talking about making recommendations and I wanted to share that story. Um, yes, because I wanted you to know that you're not always going to get the correct information from the school. So know that sometimes you have to step in, you have to go above the school, you have to go to the county or the city, you have to go to an advocate, but just make sure that you're, you are making sure that your voice is heard throughout the IEP process. And I'm going to leave that there. Number six, and this is the final point before we get into the bonus, is to monitor what is going on with your child and that IEP um, more than once a year. Okay. You don't want to just sit down at the IEP meeting, sign it, and then not think about the IEP again until the next year when it's time to review it. You want to make sure that you are up to date on what is going on with the IEP, with the accommodations. Are they following through? Are they working? Um, because that IEP can be adjusted at any moment, at any time. You can say, I want to sit back down with the team and we need to discuss this IEP because I think my child needs additional accommodations. My child, you know, this accommodation isn't working. I think they need new goals. These goals aren't working, whatever the case may be. At any time, the teacher or you can come in and make those uh, those requests and have a new IEP meeting. So definitely be sure that you are monitoring what's going on. And if you feel it is necessary, call the team back to the table and have a new IEP meeting if things are not working. Okay, so monitor. That's making sure that your IP should be sent out with report cards every nine weeks. But even beyond that, nine weeks is two months. And if you don't know anything going on within that two-month period, 
that is two months of their time. And if things aren't working, then you've wasted two months of their time. The school has wasted two months of their time. So make sure that even beyond report cards, you are keeping track of what's going on with your child, what's going on with the accommodations, what's going on with the goals, and how they are working toward meeting them. Okay. So those were my six primary points that I decided that I wanted to touch on for this podcast. But let's just talk about one bonus. Okay. So the bonus that I thought of literally in the midst of recording this was to bring support on, and this can look different for everyone. My boyfriend was present for the IEP meeting and a little personal information. My boyfriend is not Ava's dad. Ava's dad is not a part of her life um, since she turned about three and a half. So, um, and my boyfriend's been in my life for about a year and a half. So, and in Ava's life for about a year and a half. So he is um, someone who, you know, we're raising Ava together. You know, he has stepped in as a, to play a father figure in her life. And he was present for that IEP meeting. So whether it is whoever that person may be who is supporting you and raising your child, have them there because it is another person to also listen and provide insight and answer questions and to help you remember things. Because during the meeting, it's so much going on that you can't, it can be difficult for you to remember everything about your own, even about your own child. Like it can be tough. So have someone else there with you. When I had my IEP meeting for my daughter um, for her pre-K year, my mom was there and we had an in-person meeting. My mom was there and she helped me answer questions and, and all of the things and come up with different ideas and things like that. So have support, personal support. But beyond that, see if you can bring in any providers who can sit in on that meeting. My daughter's clinical supervisor, her ABA clinical supervisor was present for that, for that meeting. And so as we were setting goals, I referred to her a few times asking, do you think this would make more sense or this would make more sense to focus on? Um, we were able to share data before the meeting from ABA and from speech. We were able to provide all this information. And then I had personal support because I'm going to be honest, I started crying during that IEP, <laughs> during that IEP meeting. And it was at one specific point because after the IEP was pretty much done, I talked to them about some real things. One of them is, how are you going to support her when she's having a bad day? Do you just allow her to have a bad day all day? Do you call me? What happens? And it was just the thought of my daughter sitting there at school, miserable, crying all day, and being sat in a corner in a classroom and given you know, an iPad or something to calm her down. And for her to that just to be her day, she sits and stares at the iPad, or she sits and plays with slime, and she's not learning anything. I'm thinking of all these worst case scenarios and I started crying. I just couldn't handle it anymore. I couldn't help myself. I cried about my daughter more than anything else in this world. And it was nice having my boyfriend there to comfort me as I was going through that emotional time. So having that personal emotional support there, but also having that professional support is invaluable. Um, so definitely bring support if you can. So that wraps it up. I hope that this was helpful for you. I hope that you were able to take something away from my personal experiences and my advice related to um, IEP meetings. So I'm going to go back through the points one more time. Read it front to back. Have goals for your kids. Do your research. Ask questions. Make recommendations. Monitor progress. And then bring support, both emotional support and uh, uh, professional support if possible. So again, I hope this was 
helpful for you, follow me on Instagram at Quiana A. Darden and click the link in my bio if you want to download it that way. Um, I make some fun TikTok videos and share more information over there. So, or reels, excuse me, even though I am on TikTok too. But I share some funny reels and some informative reels over on Instagram um, if you want to stay in touch. Um, If you have any questions whatsoever, please send me a DM. If you have any topics you want me to address on Shining on the Spectrum, please send me a DM. I will respond. I am so excited to be building this community for you, for us. This is the community that I wish was around and that I knew of when my daughter was diagnosed with autism at two, six years ago. It's a community that I wish was around when I first noticed my daughter had a speech delay at one. Um, And that is the community that I'm so excited to build with Shining on the Spectrum. And I want you to know that you can reach out to me for any reason, any questions, anything. I'm excited to hear from you, hear your stories, and connect. So again, you can download the Autism Essentials checklist, or not checklist, but resource list, totally free. Um, And come follow me over on Instagram. That's where I am most present. Um, And until next time, I will see you later. Bye.